general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, you're tuned to the only podcast, Stay in Slizzard, because we are, in fact, still fly like a G6. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, a show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I've got a glorious panel here with me to get into the shit-talking and shenanigans, the fuckery and the fight confirmations we have had fall down the MMA pipeline since we saw you wonderful folks last. Before we get into all the goodies and the grubbery to get into, first and foremost, gentlemen, how the hell are you doing over there? doing pretty fucking good it's been a pretty good week flip my plans to flower we got some good fights after fucking pay-per-view i mean can't ask for much more than that almost fucking friday hell yeah i'm here little hiccup in the week but other than that we're doing all right and to be honest for a post pay-per-view card this is probably one of the best hangover cards we've had in a long fucking time. I, I absolutely agree. This is probably the least hangovery card. We have seen a hangover card from the UFC in at least a year that I can think of. But before we get into all of that, uh, first and foremost, like we like to do around here to kick things off, get into a little bit of news and recent events i know last week i said i was going to try and start doing the uh, combat sports menu up early but i'm going to save that for later on the show and you'll understand a little more why when we get to that menu itself uh there is a ton of fighting to talk about this weekend but news first so tying just a little bit back to last weekend because it happened after we were already off the show obviously uh during saturday night's ufc broadcast we did find out that the first member of the 2024 hall of fame inductee for the legends wing will be vandalay the axe murderer silva himself uh dana has said that there have been a lot of people in this organization that i didn't get along with but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve a place in the hall of fame and vandalay is one of those and that might be one of the truest things dana's ever let slip out of his fucking mouth so vandalay might not have been everybody's favorite he might not have been the cleanest fighter but to deny his fucking impact on the sport of mixed martial arts is just a grievous fucking mistake so to see him getting put into the ufc hall of fame is a nice little fucking tip of the cap to the axe murder so 
Nice to see him do one solid there. Uh, next piece we've got here actually ties a little bit into this weekend. We just found out this afternoon, uh, unfortunately, Jesus Pinedo is officially out. Undisclosed reasons as to why, but that means that his fight versus Patricio Pitbull on the PFL versus Bellator Champions card this weekend is officially off. No word if they're going to try to reschedule that or try and find new opponents for the opposite pair to see if they can just move on in their fights. No word yet, just that Pinedo has pulled out and that fight is officially off Saturday's PFL pay-per-view. That being said, uh, we did find out that coming up in just a couple weeks on March 8th, the Anthony Joshua versus Francis Ngannou boxing match has officially been priced. The pay-per-view will be $70.69.99 for the Joshua versus Ngannou pay-per-view. Uh, with the winner of that fight expected to fight Tyson Fury either later this fall or early next spring for a unification belt match. Uh, Francis Ngannou has legitimately put himself squarely in the conversation, undeniably for the heavyweight boxing champion of the world as well as confirming directly from the pfl sources themselves and francis Ngannou that the winner of this weekend's bruno fajaya versus ryan bader uh matchup will be the one to face francis Ngannou either later on this fall or early next spring that they had already negotiated will make a minimum of two million dollars plus just for facing francis Ngannou. so the wheels are beyond in motion at this point. And to even joke that Ngannou has fumbled the bag is just a silly thing to say at this point. Ngannou has so far from fumbled it. He doesn't even need to take any more matches. He has already secured himself generational, excuse me, generational wealth beyond what the UFC could have even tried to offer him. So to see that he is legitimately just going for it full bore here. I'm fucking here for it because I think a lot of people forgot that the way that Francis Ngannou actually got his start when he left Cameroon and came to France was in boxing. He recently transitioned before he came to the UFC from boxing to MMA. He started as a boxer. People seem to forget this because he's more known for his MMA work in the UFC, but in that Fury fight, he clearly showed he is a very capable boxer. If he can do anything similar to Anthony Joshua and then obviously line that fury rematch back up. Frankie's undeniable. There's, there's no other way to say it. Frankie is unfucking deniable. Dana's the one that fumbled the bag in this scenario. Sorry, pal. Uh, that being said, uh, speaking of people who did fumble the bag though, after all of the hubbub and all the bullshit and all the screaming and whining that I deserve the cyborg fight, I should get the cyborg fight. They didn't give it to her, but they were going to let her headline Bellator 302 in Belfast coming up March 22nd. And Liam McCourt announced this week that during training, she has broken a rib and torn a tendon in her pec. Uh, Definitely pulling out of the fight, probably spending the better part of the year recuperating future at this point, just as up in the air as it ever has been before. This was arguably Leah's biggest and potentially last chance to really make enough of a splash under that Bellator banner to try and secure herself as the potential Knicks sweepstakes winner in the cyborg contest that seems to be rolling over on that side of the world. But this 
at the very least has taken her completely out of the running and jumped her to the back of the line. So uh, no word as of yet, if they are going to try and find a replacement fighter and keep Kavanaugh on the card, or if they're just going to move one of the other fights up to headline as of right now, Bellator 302 in Belfast is completely shaking the fuck up. I'm anticipating probably in the next week or two, we will get an announcement finding out how that's actually going to land. But as of right now, your guess is as good as mine. That being said, uh, the following day, March 23rd, Misfits Boxing 13, the great Anderson, the spider Silva son, Gabriel Silva, steps into the ring against one Anthony Taylor for a light heavyweight belt under the Misfit organization. Um, Anthony Taylor, for all of his antics outside of the ring, is still a very, very capable boxer, and he's still far from his prime, uh, far from leaving his prime, I should say. He's still very close to his prime, would be a better analogy, I guess. Um, I like Gabriel Silva, but he is very young, and he is still very green in his fighting career. This is either going to be the springboard that shoots him into stardom or the bite that was too goddamn big and knocks him back and makes him learn a little bit. But either way, this is undeniably the biggest fight of his career so far. So I'm very interested to see how that match plays out. I am both happy and angry to bring you the next piece of news that I've got here. Happy because this is long overdue. Angry because this is not what we were fucking promised. Um, we have officially been given, after Saturday's broadcast last week, the headliner for UFC 300, April 13th, the main event. And it is Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight belt. Not only is this not the event that Dana White promised everyone, and I quote, would blow their socks off. This event was not even going to be, or excuse me, this match was not even going to be on this card. This fight literally came together, confirmed both by Jamal and Alex now, Friday evening in California after the weigh-ins were done. They literally put this together at the absolute last minute so that they could announce it Saturday after the broadcast. Now, there's two different tangents that tie off of this. One, not a bad fight, but not the fight that we were promised in this particular scenario. Two, um, we got confirmation today that after the announcement that it's Pereira versus Hill for the UFC 300 uh, main event, None other than the ultimate sensei senpai himself, Steven Seagal, is officially training Alex Pereira in striking for his UFC 300 title defense. I'm not joking. That's real. Um, they doubled down on their stupidity and announced after we confirmed that it's going to be Pereira versus Hill, the main event in UFC 300, Three weeks later, May 4th, UFC 301 will take place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where they had originally intended to have Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill main event. They literally stole from Peter 
to disappoint Paul? I'm going to say something that's probably going to rub some people the wrong way. I would have rather seen them book Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad as the fucking main event than that. At, I'm at just saying. Point, yeah. It, keep, it was a letdown either way. One. Yeah. Hey, to be honest, there's what's the craziest fucking thing of all of this? There's not a great heavyweight attraction. Like you expect on a card that big, there to be a big attraction out of every fucking weight class. No, didn't get it. You mean to tell me that nobody was willing to fight Tom Aspinall? God knows Jones doesn't want to fight him because he's obviously fucking John's scared. He's scared. And oh, but there's injuries and sidelines. No, fuck that. Stipe doesn't want to fight him. Stipe wants the title so goddamn bad. Go take that interim from Stipe. That's what I'm saying. You're really trying to tell me that Jamal is healed from an Achilles tear enough where he's going to jump a month of recovery time, a literal month of recovery time from an Achilles tear that his heel is his health is what's enabling him to do that. Not the, the benefit that the UFC is offering that they couldn't offer the same scenario to get Jones's ass off the fucking couch or get Stipe's old ass out of the fucking firehouse to come fight Aspinall. No, 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 no. I'll your, your, little your little money reaction speaks it true. That's how I feel about it. It's like you called Jamal up, right? Hey, man, you think you could fight a month earlier than what we were planning? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm still healing up from my, my fucking Achilles. Oh, how about we throw you some more fucking stacks? Okay, I'm, drop I'm you. doing it. Yeah, look out your front door. There should be a couple of Nelk Boy bags landing via drone as we speak. Yeah. Oh, I'm, in second thought, my ankle's feeling great. I'm just saying, you know, for something that should have been a group, they fucked up the Jim Miller thing, which isn't even main card, but it's fucking noteworthy considering he's fucking fought at 100 and 200 and now 300. They fucked up what could have been a great matchup. Don't get me wrong. I like Bobby. But that is not the fight that it could have been. It could have been the reintroduction of Paul Felder into the division. I'm just saying they fucking screwed that up. You, the the Max Holloway Gaethje fight. Waste of fucking time in my opinion. Yeah, because Max should be getting the title shot. Yeah. At this Max should have just waited a little bit of fucking time to see how that fight went out because of that. Like, he, he's the one now. Right? Like, there's nobody else. Even if Ortega or fucking Yair win this weekend, as much as I'm excited for that fight, it's like, Max still has to be the guy if they don't give him the rematch, right? It doesn't, it, like, none of it fucking adds up for 300 for me. Like, I look at it, don't get me wrong, some of the fights are great. The, the Wiley Zhang and Yan Zhanan, fucking fantastic women's fight to have on 300. Absolutely brilliant. Those two ladies are going to go to fucking war. Not thrilled with the fucking Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway. Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian, they're really pushing Sarukian fucking hard right now. I understand that one. You got to put him up against the number one guy so that way he can possibly get it. You're dropping Yuri to Alexander Rakic. Eh, okay fight. I understand it for the means of the division. Still not great. 
Why do I have to watch fucking Aljamain Sterling and Calvin Cater on this fight? On this fucking card? Don't want to see him. Bo Nickel finally gets his fucking piece, but they're throwing him fucking dead weight in Cody Brundage. I mean, and of course, what would a fucking pay-per-view be without a Holly Holm fight on there? Introducing somebody who hasn't even fought in the fucking UFC yet. No shade to Kayla Harrison, but I don't think she's going to make fucking weight anyways. Yeah, and they were so fucking random <laughs> Then you got to think fucking Davidson Figueredo, former champ, and Cody Garbrandt, both going down fucking hill. It's kind of a who's the first one we kick out of the door fucking moment. Don't get me wrong. Makes sense. Nice to see Super Sadiq back, but they're giving him Diego Lopes, who's also on a fucking rise as well. But the fucking card overall, just not. It's not. It's not 300 worthy. And if you look at the UFC website and the way that they wrote 300 out, they were distinctly making a mark and it pushed to a certain well-known movie. You can tell just by the way that was written out. Guess what? This is not we will fight in the shade. This is we fell in the fucking mud puddle, so therefore we're fighting dirty. They screwed the pooch fucking miserably. Like, I don't know. Look. There's a little segment that we talk about later in Tapology where we talk about people tripping over their dick. They tripped over the company's dick, stomped on it, stomped all over everyone who loves the UFC and MMA's dick in the process to make what's such an amazing event. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the fights are good. I'm not going to bitch that they're not because there's a lot of good fights on there. But it is not what is expected of a marquee event. The 300th pay-per-view. Man. I don't know how you can fumble so badly and not have an attention-grabbing main event. Don't get me wrong. We knew that fight was coming sooner or later. But that's not a fucking... It's not a, oh my god. It's it's just not it. Like, you go back to 200 and 100, you're looking at guys like Brock Lesnar, who fucking were on those cards, and oh my fucking god. Yeah, he was juiced to the gills, and... Obviously, because he got caught afterwards, and then there was the whole fucking to-do after that, but those are the kind of fucking things that you're looking for. Yeah, you're not going to get a juiced-up fucking Brock Lesnar in there right now. He's more worried about watching his daughter do shot put in fucking college or high school or whatever the fuck she's in, which I... I, Yeah, his daughter is what we'll say. But uh, it's, it's fucking sad. Like, I think so many other better fights that could have been here like to be honest i would have perfectly been all right with them oh i hate to say this bring o'malley vera too on the fucking 300 but you know i guess at this time i'm gonna watch it yeah we're gonna pay for it but i'm not gonna feel good about it just saying if you're from Dagestan, know that there are Dagestan websites that you'll be able to watch it on for free. A la Khabib. Follow Khabib's lead on this one if you live in Dagestan. Specifically, if you live in Dagestan. Wink. Exactly. Wink, wink. 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 <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. 
Um, on the other side of things, though, in a, a rare instance of the UFC actually doing one right for a change, uh, we got to see this afternoon Dana White cut the ribbon to officially open the UFC Performance Institute Mexico ahead of this weekend's UFC Mexico City card. So that is very fucking cool. They now have a UFC Performance Institute down there to help those Mexican athletes get the same advantages that the other athletes can get in Las Vegas. That's going to be very big. Like I said, they're they're already in the process of trying to hurry up and open the one in South Korea, which we already talked about. They're most likely going to have a Korean zombie step into some role there. There's a couple of people that they've still not officially acknowledged, but have hinted towards taking over that Forrest Griffin type role at the UFC PI down in Mexico. No official announcement yet, but the fact that they cut the ribbon today and it is officially open will inevitably have an impact going forward on the world of mixed martial arts. Speaking of having an impact going forward, though, uh, the last piece of news I've got for this evening is probably the biggest one of the week. Um, we got confirmation this week that Fubo TV has officially filed a one billion with a B billion dollar class action lawsuit and injunction against ESPN, ESPN Plus, Fox, Warner, and Time and all of the sports networks affiliated with this new upcoming streaming service, citing anti-competitive business practices. Basically, everything that the UFC is getting accused of, excuse me, in their class action lawsuit is carrying not only by extension because the UFC is a part of this, but through their broadcasters, the new network that they are creating has essentially created a monopoly or a monopsony of sports broadcasting if this is allowed to go through in the fall bubo has officially filed the one billion dollar class action lawsuit to stop this merger and this new streaming service from going forward so this is going to be very interesting the timing of this could not have been better for them they we just talked about the announcement of the stream the new potential streaming service just not that long ago so fubo is not wasting any time jumping right on it this could have very interesting impacts on this potential giant announcement or, or release that was supposed to come in the fall that being said we will follow up as things on that come a little more into the spotlight but that is all i've got for this week anything you boys have that i might have missed this week in the news world not worth mentioning well in that case this would be the point in uh, most podcasts where you get your your b-roll ad for some bullshit that's not actually affiliated with the company for some product that no one on the show actually uses and we don't fucking play that game here on the i'm no joe podcast if you like what we get up to around here and you would help out what we can do there's links down in the bottom but if that's your option we would ask you to uh, hold on to that right now in the meanwhile we've got a little more important cause a uh, longtime supporter and friend of the show, uh, Ed Cap, has finished his untimely battle with cancer, and his family need just a tiny bit of help to finish up with his final expenses. It's almost near goal. Just need a little bit more push. If you'd like to help us, please take that money. Give it to Ed's family. Help them instead. Share an episode of the podcast. We'll do more help for us than that dollar would have done for us. Help Ed's family instead. Come back next month if you still look what we're up to. Give us the buck. We'll throw your name on the thank you list. That being said, if you've been watching combat sports as long as 
some of us have been inevitably you start to learn what you like when it comes on where to watch it and you develop a metaphorical set of blinders as it were you start to lose the forest for the trees and luckily for us here on the show we have ourselves a, a bona fide young person able to get out there and just ever so delicately finger the pulse of the mma world and keep us abreast of all the names that are going to be names before they actually are names in a little segment that we like to call slows cans and contenders appreciate you brother we we'll start out with the cans. Pretty easy. I mean, there's quite a few cans, which is going to make all these uh, prospects and, you know, Mexican hometown fighters look really good this weekend. One fight I'm not looking forward to. Well, I actually have two of them on here. The first one, Daniel Lacerda versus Edgar Sheras. I mean, Edgar Shares is young. Maybe there's some potential there. I definitely think he's going to get the win. But uh, Lacerda fucking being 0-4 in the UFC, he, he definitely is the first-round kind of guy, right? He always gets the finish in the first round or he gets finished in the first round. But every fight in the UFC, he gets finished in the first round. I just don't think the fight's going to be that exciting. We already saw a little bit of the first one that went to a no contest. Not interested in this one. Kind of throwing the fight in the can. Another one, I uh, got Ricky Tercios versus Raul Russell Jr. I got kind of got to throw both the fighters in the can. I like Tercios. You know, he did win the Ultimate Fighter. I like his personality and shit like that. But he has not looked good since he actually got into the UFC from the Ultimate Fighter. He also didn't fight at all last year. He took all the 2023 off. We'll see how he looks. I mean, you hope to God he goes out there and schools this kid, but fight to me is not going to be interesting. Not looking forward to it. And I really don't think either of these guys have much to fucking offer or have a lot of potential going forward. I also got uh, Eric Silva. Dude looked good on his contender series fight, but, uh, Lost to T.J. Brown in his debut, fuck 36 years old. Don't think this guy's worth a damn. He's fighting uh, Muhammad John Namov. He's one of those tough-ass young Russians. I think he's pretty much fucked. Throwing him in the can. Victor Altamiriano and Sam Hughes. Uh, Sam, Sam Page, you know, she's tough as fuck, but... In all honesty, after getting knocked out this weekend, probably got to throw it in the can. I, I'm really high on Yasmin Duregi. Maybe she stays tough, doesn't get finished, but I think Sam's taking the L this weekend. I got, I got one of Meter's coin Schrodinger's contenders this weekend. Claudio Poyas. That kid's got great jujitsu. He's a great grappler. But that last fight against Dan Hooker was like, what the fuck? I was high on the kid. I was excited. You know, he'd been fucking dudes up with those knee bars and shit. He'd been doing some cool shit. Getting finishes, working his way up to something decent. He gets a ranked fight, he gets Dan Hooker, and Dan just fucks that kid up. And he... Turns into Ryan Hall. And just oh, let me hide on the ground. Come on, come down here. Let, let's try to roll around. This is this is my fun house. No, no, I don't want any more of that ass whooping. 
And that's really why the fight got finished, right? Because the kid just wouldn't fucking get back up. It wasn't that he got knocked out. Dan was just kind of, you know, fucking sitting, standing up, playing around with him, cracking him with the leg kicks, just toying with the kid. Ref just called the fight off because the kid didn't want to fucking fight. It was a horrible look. So I'm putting him in the Schrodinger's Cantender coined by the Brother Meter there because the kid showed amazing potential, had a good winning streak up to that point. Maybe he, and he didn't fight last year either, similar to Ricky Tercios, who I mentioned. He took a year off. Maybe the kid took a year off, get some ass whooping in the gym, learn how to fight a little bit. Because, I mean, that's what this is. It's ultimate fighting championship. We do have mixed martial arts in play, but you're still getting locked in a fucking cage with a grown-ass man and you're half fucking naked. You've got to be willing to throw down. you got to be a little crazy in the head and you got to have some cojones. If you're a lady, you got to have some good lady cojones. You can't be going in there not wanting to fight. Oh, I'll take a punch. Let's, let's see. Let's see if the kid can bounce back. But he's like, you're on the fence. That's why I'm keeping contenders I got this week. A couple of fights. Zell Huber versus Prado. Like, both these kids are young. Both of them have potential. Zell Huber hasn't gotten a finish in the UFC so far. He's going to have to really work for some shit to even get a win because Prado's going to go da- out there and throw down. He's finished every fucking win in his career. I think that fight's got big potential to be exciting. Another one, Chris Duncan versus Manuel Torres. I'm really excited for Manuel Torres. He's like, to me, the biggest contender. I like this kid. He's fucking exciting as hell. He's got a nice winning streak going. A lot of fucking finishing potential and that knockout power. That's what you want to see. Chris Duncan only gotten the decision so far since getting in the UFC, but we know he's got the knockout power too. Vincent loves him. He, he's Scottish himself. He loves those fucking Scots. He loves Paul Craig. Loves this Chris Duncan kid. He's going to have to go out there and throw the fuck down. I think that fight's got a chance to be fucking exciting. As I mentioned earlier, Yasmin Draghi, one of my fucking huge contenders. And she's the only lady contender. Yeah, we got the one ladies fight on this card. Ortega. You know, it may be weird to some people, but I think Ortega's, in my opinion, likely to win this weekend. He's the contender if he gets the win. Yair, he wins. What does it do for him? You just got your ass whooped by Volk, and then Volk just got folded like a lawn chair by Tapuri. I just... Everybody's trying to hype him up, talk about this Spain versus Mexico bullshit. What are you talking about? Dude just got his ass beat last year and just got a title shot. What we fucking smoking here? It's got to be Max, like we were just talking about a minute ago. But if one of those dudes goes out there, smokes the other, nice fashion, it'd be Ortega to be a contender still, to hop back up in there and be in the potential mix. And then a fight, Moreno versus Royval. Now, I don't think Royval's in the same boat as Yair. I got to get back up near the title if he gets a win. It's just going to be a fun fight. You know Royval's going to be hungry as fuck. Getting that chance to try to get the revenge against Moreno, similar to that title shot he had last year against Pantoja. He has gotten better. 
you know, he went five rounds against Pantoja. I think Moreno's the true contender out of this situation if he wins, but I'd love to hear what you boys got. All right. Absolute shit can. Raul Rosas. I'm so sick of seeing his fucking name. So sick of them hyping him. I hope Ricky Tercio stomps a mud hole in his ass, walks it dry, sprays it down again, so he can walk that son bitch dry one more fucking time. I, there's something about that kid that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what the fuck it is. But I haven't liked him since fucking day one. And I don't foresee that fucking changing anytime in the future. Do I think Ricky Tercios is ever going to be title worthy? No. I just don't think he has it. So as a whole, yeah, I'll agree with you. This fight can go in the fucking can, can, can fucking area. But as a whole, though, Raul Rose Jr. Fucking... He looks like he was playing a game being a wily coyote. The Roadrunner painted a goddamn tunnel on a fucking rock wall, and he ran face first into it, flattened that some bitch out, and unfortunately forgot he's not a cartoon, so his face don't fucking pop back out right. Look, I hate to be that guy to fucking call out somebody's looks, but shit. It is what it is there. Now, I'm completely on board with Sam Hughes being a can, and Yasmin Yaguri, excuse me, Rigui being the fucking contender. She's already shown she's got a lot of fucking potential there. I'm glad to see her on this Mexico City card. They needed a good Mexican female presence as well. Some of the other ones haven't been all that good. Don't get me wrong. They have a current champion over there. But other than that, there's not been a whole lot of great um, Mexican fighters, Mexican women fighters coming out of there. Um, I am going to say, since you did touch on it, for a contender fight as a whole, it's definitely that main event in Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval. Do we finally get to see Royval get a full fight in without blowing his shoulder out and the fight being stopped because the shoulder gets popped out of place during the fight? Will I? Is this going to be the fight we expected the first one to be? Or is it going to be another showing where Brandon Moreno obviously changed because otherwise he would have never gotten the title? Roy Vallow's obviously changed because he's made that fucking resurgence. The Phoenix from the Ashes kind of thing where it looked like he was going to fall off after the shoulder injury. I I think this one, we're in in territory for a very exciting fight. And as far as contenders fight goes, that one has it all over. Moreno doesn't get shit out of beating Roy Vall other than saying, yeah, the first fight was correct, even though it was stopped on injury. Roy Vall wins. That's title shot city because he's taking out the number one fucking flyweight, which makes sense there. And I'm God, I, I hate to do this because I like Brian Ortega, but I am going to throw Brian Ortega in the fucking hand category. Unless he proves us wrong coming out. He, he's fallen off. And when was his last fucking fight? Like two years ago? Almost two years ago now. 
Yeah, he's been off for like fucking 18 months. Yeah, he had to rehab from that show. Yeah, he got knocked out in round one. But like you're touching on Roy Vall, that's where I threw him in the contenders. I feel like he's he even touched on it like a rebirth of an eagle, man. He's found a new spiritual journey. I love the moment. You know, this has nothing to do with the fight. Him bringing his kids up for the face-off with Yair. Look, Dude seems like he's in a good mental spot. At, and look, if he is healthy, he's, he's still young, right? So he has had the injury problems, but he's not. It's not like Volk where and, we were worried about him. He got knocked out 35, you know. And where here's my problem with like where I was saying T City, I have to put him in the fucking can, can spot. You got to figure, he got his shit stomped in by Volkanovski. He he had him in a fucking great choke. Volk didn't tap. Yeah, he was the closest dude to ever fucking get to almost beating Volk, and the only dude to ever go five rounds with Volk yeah. in a fucking title fight. Before this last weekend, he so, got it. He got his fucking shit kicked in the rest of that. Yeah, fight. but you still got your respect for fucking. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you know how we're always talking about the diminishing returns is fucking the chin. That chin got tested, cracked, and what happened? His next fight out to come fight Rod Yair. Yair fucking knocks him out. So here we are. We're getting a fucking rematch of a fight nobody wants to see. The only people that want to see this is Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez because it's in Mexico City, so Yair gets to fight in Mexico City, and Brian gets the off chance to make it through the first fucking round that he didn't do the first time. I'm just saying, your chin has been tested and has been found wanting. That's all there is to it. Unfortunately, I have to put you in the can contender because as much as I hate to say it, Yair does know how to fucking hit people and put people out. And I don't like it. I haven't liked it since the day he threw that crazy fucking elbow and knocked out the Korean zombie when he was getting his shit kicked in. <laughs> but I have to admit and give credit where credit is due. He's off to some motherfuckers to get where he's at. Ortega being one of them. We're just going to get a repeat there. Ortega's falling off. Unless there is some rising out of the ashes, becoming the Phoenix, which I fucking doubt and i love brian ortega not not just for what he's done in the sport but even where his story came from where he started he, he's got a great backing in fucking henner and fucking them over in gracie academy there he's he's a good boxer he's not a great boxer but he's a good boxer but he's he's falling off as much as i hate to say it, those back-to-back -back losses in the fashion that they were it's not just that they're back-to-back -back losses. It's the fashion. And then 18 months where we don't hear from you at all. Look, I get part of that probably has something to do with his ex-girlfriend, who is also in the UFC and just won her last fight as well. But it just seems to have fallen off. I don't think his head is in, head is in it anymore. I mean, maybe he needed that 18 months to get his head back in it. We'll find out fucking Saturday, but. Can can spot it is. He doesn't even get Schroeder, Schrodinger's can tender out of me for that. 
like you said on media day, we'll see. I think you're uh, forgetting it a little bit. The fight he had with Yair, just in the first round, they were going back and forth a little bit. He was piecing Yair up, so Yair tried to take him down. They get into a roll, then he tears his shoulder. He didn't get knocked out. The fight ended. You're, because you're right. That's right. And he apparently had to have two or three surgeries on the shoulder. So, yeah, he kept quiet probably because of the girlfriend. And then, like I said, he apparently went through a big spiritual change and started going to church, right? Like kind of went deeper into his Christianity and shit. Well, he talked a lot on media day. Like if you saw his interview, yeah, he's kept quiet for the 18 months, but he's he gave a lot. That's of the problem. Is th- this Sounds is- good, man. He's the, in a good mental spot, like he said. He's not talking any shit. Like he said, he said, "If I lose, I lose. I'm not looking forward to the future. Not thinking about what's next. I'm just focused on this shit. We'll see. That's literally his I, I we'll love see what happens. I love yeah, that fucking idea. That's why I like it. He's in the right mindset. You got the right mindset all day long. He knows where he's at. You know, he knows it's been a long fucking. Time. This is where I say the mentality is gone, though." If you looked, even going up to the fucking, even after the devastating Volk loss, where he got his shit kicked in, he was still constantly on social media, fucking putting shit out, training, whatever. After the Ayer shit, gone. Like, that mental toughness has to have gone somewhere, because it didn't stay. Otherwise, there would have still been a presence of some sort. That presence was very few and very far between. Which I get it. Look, social media is not the best thing in the world for your mentality. But when part of that is your persona to the world in this type of situation where you're a well-known fighter, that goes hand in hand. Look at Jim fucking Miller. He's on goddamn social media fucking damn near every day. It might not be about fighting, but there's a fucking presence there and you know he's in the right mindset. I don't know that I can say Ortega's in the right mindset. And yes, thank you for correcting me. That's right. He did get his shoulder fucked up. I was just on that fucking Volkanovsky beat that breaks off his fucking yeah. head kick. Yeah, he's taking the damage. He's just, he hasn't been knocked out yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Just like he said. What you got, though, Meter? So I, I agree with the, the majority of what you guys have said here. Uh, the biggest part for damn sure, uh, my can, or excuse me, my uh, contender of, of the evening, the one that I would take my opportunity to make sure anybody in earshot is paying fucking attention to is that Yasmin Uregui fight. Not only because it's the only ladies fight on the card, but because some of us have been waving that fucking Yasmin flag since before she got to the UFC for good fucking reason even if every fight hasn't necessarily gone her way, every time she has stepped on campus, she has showed you why she is in the UFC and why we've been waving that goddamn flag. And Sam Hughes, solid can though she may be, Yasmin, I have a feeling, is going to come out and just do fucking work. The home fucking crowd, the fact that she's on a fucking roll now, the fact that Sam is someone that she can potentially come out and style on and look great on and have a potential highlight real fucking fight with, all looks real fucking good in my eyes. This could potentially maybe not be fight of the night, but be one of the biggest sets of fireworks to get people excited for the card itself. Hell yeah. On the other side of that, though... Uh, 
my can for this weekend for the UFC card is Hayani Barcelos. Why the actual fuck is this fight the premier prelim? What in any universe does this fight have that would get people excited to watch the rest of the Mexico City card. Neither one of these dudes are known for big power. Neither one of these dudes are known for gas tanks. And now we're going to Mexico City, which is at fucking altitude, if you remember. So everyone who's not acclimated to a high altitude setting is going to have gas tank problems to begin with. Then add a lackluster potential bullshit matchup to the fact that we're in altitude. I don't think Kenyos is going to get enough of a bump from that fucking Mexico crowd to make this fight interesting in the least bit. I think we end up getting a snoozer going into the fucking main card. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. I think the UFC is trying to like hype up Quinones, and he's got some potential, I guess, but against Ronnie Barcelos and making it the premier prelim doesn't make much sense. Doesn't make much sense at all. But I fucking agree with that. Even if I didn't agree with golf, he put Ortega in the can. I respect his decision. <laughs> I appreciate both of you boys. You don't. You don't. You don't have to fucking agree with it. I didn't agree. No, with I never did. The sugar I never agree on everything. Either. That's the fucking awesome part of the sport. We can't talk any shit if we agree on everything. <laughs> like I said, I'm still a big fan. I just don't think he's got it anymore. We'll see. That's the one fight I'm the most excited about. Really, I mean, I'm excited for the main event too, but. The fact that we didn't really get to fucking see that shit back in July 22 and fucking three minutes into it is shoulder rips up. Just sucks. We had a lot of those in 2022. A lot of main events ended in injury. That's it for me, though, boy. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. So that brings us to the point, um, the only segment of the podcast that does actually require its own individual disclaimer. So <clears throat> tapology.com does not in any way, shape or form support, sponsor or endorse the I'm No Joe podcast yet. That being said, tapology.com does offer you the option to go onto their website, create a free account and make fantasy style MMA picks like we do here. They also offer you the option to create groups on their website. So we did that. We made one called I'm No Bookie. It's all one word or group 965, however you need to search it. The group is open to the public. You are welcome and encouraged to make yourself an account. Join the group and put your picks head-to-head -head against ours in a little segment we like to call Typology with TJ. All right. So, kudos to everyone in our group this week. Above the 50% mark. Not at or above, but above the 50% mark. We had a wild fucking card last week. It was a solid fucking pay-per-view. Fights overall kind of went how most of us thought. Or there were a couple hiccups in there. I pulled out the W this week, so I will pat myself on the back. 
I would have had 11 of 12 correct had Volkanovski not got knocked out. And there was one other fucking fight on there that didn't go the way I thought, which is fine. It is what it is. I don't think anybody else got that either. Um, Donna was trying to catch me, just couldn't fucking pull it off, which is nice that um, she doesn't get to take the fucking reins again here because, well, there is a point where we just got to, we got to bury her. We got to fucking bury her in the rankings where she can't be the top dog anymore. And there was a fight on this in our group. A fight for the bottom spot. And it was a fucking close one. She was fucking three ways. They could have went either fucking way. Good. Christian, Don, and Meter fighting for that trip over your dick spot. But only one fighter can come out victorious in those type of three-way weird brawls. And that's the guy who just whips it out, slaps the both of them away, and then stomps on it. That was Meter this week. He said, fuck you guys. I'm going to take the honors. And he took them with pride and dignity. And man, River Tour was fucking close. And so was Christian. Christian, you're only 10 points above fucking Don there. I'm just saying, man, there's something going on in the fucking standings there. A little weird. Now, with all that being said, that's just this week's standings. So let's go take a look at our other thing that we have going on, which is our Grand Prix. And apparently Tapology doesn't want to do it. So let's try it again. Oh, there we go. So currently, Donna, because she came in second place, decided to run up into the top spot there knocking off a meter because he tripped over his dick this week, who falls all the way to the third spot. My win pushes me up to the second spot, only 10 points in total behind Donna. 10 points, so not a big margin there. Yeah, Christian right behind him, or right behind fucking meter, sitting in the four spot. Don coming in in the five spot, and in the six spot right now is Vindog. But that doesn't mean anything, because we're still really early into this. We're going until UFC 300. After 300 is over, that's when our... Fucking first quarter Grand Prix will be over for the year, and we'll move on to a second one. So we'll keep you up to date on these. But right now, as it stands, Donna sitting top, myself, Meter, Christian, Don, and Vinny, all in that order, one to six right now. All separated by three picks. Yep. Three picks make the decision of who places where in this Grand Prix right now. It's that close not a it's not a huge fucking margin there's not a big margin for error for this now if those of you who are listening or watching want to join us and get in on the next grand prix that starts after ufc 300 come over and join us on tapology i'm no bookie group 965 let us know who you are so that way we can get you an invite because the grand prix is a private event only has to be invite only anybody can join our group which is why there's people in there that I have no idea who the fuck they are, and I really don't fucking care. But get in that private one with us. Come on. Right after 300, we'll start the second quarter of events. And we'll do it again. But we'll keep you up to date on how that plays out through the rest of the fucking quarter here. And continue to tell you the weeklies of who's doing what. Because, look, that made a huge difference. That one win I pulled out, I was down, I think I was in the bottom spot there last, the week before last there. 
One win brings you right to the top. That's all you need. So you have one bad week in there. It's just about who can be the most consistent over that time frame. Right now, Donna's proven that's it. So, you know, come join us over there, 965. I'm no bookie over on Tapology. Now, with all that being said, let's get into the important things of the week, which is this week's card, the UFC Mexico City card. We're going to be talking some odds here. For the most part, as usual, a lot of the odds are coin flips. I'm not going to talk about the coin flip odds except for the main and co-main, which let me knock those out right now. Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez. They have it pretty much as a coin flip. They have Yair coming in as a minus 150 favorite over a plus 125 Brian Ortega. I get it. I think they're wrong, but that's okay. I think the odds odd should have been a little wider there. In your main event spot in um, Brandon Royval and Brandon Moreno, they've got uh, Moreno as the number one seed currently, coming in as a minus 300 favorite over a plus 240 in Brandon Royval. little wider odds than I would have thought, considering the first fight that they had was pretty competitive up until the shoulder injury happened. But because of things that have taken place in that time since, it makes sense why they have those odds a little bit wider than coin flip. Not much, but a little bit. Oh, let's talk about some of these other wider odds on the card here. Um, we're going to go right to the absolute beginning of the card. Eric Silva, Muhammad Namaev. So got Silva coming in as a plus 425 underdog. Muhammad is a minus 600 favorite. That's a hell of a fucking crazy odd bracket there for a couple of guys that are pretty goddamn new to the UFC. Not mad at it. That might be one where you want to bet on the underdog because those those young fighters like that when they're fresh into the UFC, weird shit happens. You might get some fucking money. Now, another one we we'll touch on here is going to be the Daniel Lacerda, Edgar Chara's fight there. They've got uh, Edgar coming in as a minus 550 favorite over Daniel Lacerda as a plus 380 underdog. So pretty wide odds there. Uh, not the fight I was expecting to have crazy wide odds, but here we fucking are. Uh, the other fight on the card that has the largest fucking point gap, according to BetMGM right now, Yasmin... And fucking Sam. They've got Yasmin coming in as a minus 600 favorite over a plus 425 in Sam Hughes. Those odds are spot fucking on. Anybody who says anything otherwise is a fucking idiot. Do not bet on Sam Hughes in this fight. It's a bad idea. It's instant loss of money. Guaranteed. fucking That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, There's only one other uh fight I did want to touch on just because it had a little bit wider odds but not as wide as those ones and that was the Felipe Dos Santos and Victor Tr Triano fight um they got Felipe coming in as a minus 300 favorite and Victor coming in as a plus 240 underdog but other than that it's not wide so it's the same fucking odds as the main event not super wide but that's the next best thing other than the 425s to minus 600s that we're seeing on here um, now, again, all of the odds I'm giving you right here on these, it's all coming from BetMGM. 
So know that depending on where you place your bets, those odds may vary a little bit from place to place. In fact, um, let me take a quick peek here. I think I do have a DraftKings one here. Just for example, DraftKings, Sam Huseman and Yasmin Yuri, a fucking Yasmin, they have her as a minus 575 favorite over a plus 425 in Sam Hughes. So you actually get better odds there, or excuse me, on BetMGM than you would fucking DraftKings if you're betting the fucking there. But other than that, there's also the, yeah, the exact same thing with the Eric Silva, Muhammad Nanaya fight. The fucking favorite is 25 points lower than what they are at BetMGM. So as I did say, things will vary depending on the bookie that you're going to. Um, so shop around to make your bets. You might find some better odds and make money better elsewhere. But good luck. Come join our fucking group. 965 on no bookie over on Tapology. We'll fill you in next week on what happens and give you the odds for the next week's card. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. Uh, so, like I mentioned earlier, uh, normally I'm going to try and give everybody the uh, combat sports fight menu, as it were, up front in the show. So, you know, all the cards that we're going to be looking forward to for the weekend, even though predominantly we generally talk mostly about the UFC cards at the end of our show here. Uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to save the combat sports menu for this weekend for the end here before we dig into the UFC, because this is probably the biggest combat sports weekend just in activity not maybe necessarily in namesake but in activity that we have had of the year so far and all together in at least the last six months to a year so I, I believe all said and done there are seven major organizations putting on events this weekend and either four or five different of the b league or the the feeder league organizations that are also putting on events this weekend so if you're looking for combat sports there's literally something happening from shortly after we stop broadcasting till everybody goes back to work monday morning there's something for everybody all weekend long so to kind of condense down as much as i can here all the goodies that are going to be at least worth keeping an eye out or taking a peek on starting tomorrow evening 8 p.m central standard time Cage Warriors 166. Wilson Hayes is headlining this card. If you're even a casual fan and you watch the UFC, you know Wilson Hayes. He's had several runs. Even casual fans will know the vast majority of the people on this card. Hardcores are probably going to know everybody top to bottom on this card. Great fights lined up on this one. Very well match made by Cage Warriors. Lots of fun to be had tomorrow night over there. Also kicking off at 8 p.m. Central Standard tomorrow night. Also both on Fight Pass. Uh, LFA 177 Smith versus Magomedov. This is another one. The casuals will recognize, I'd say probably a third of this card, maybe even half of this card. The hardcores are going to know probably everybody that's fighting on this card tomorrow night. Fun fights to be had. Maybe not the biggest namesakes, but fun fights to be had if you're looking for something to watch. Flipping over to tomorrow evening, cracking back around, Ryzen Landmark Saga 8 kicks off at 11 p.m. Central Standard tomorrow night, midnight Eastern Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning, however you want to look at it. Um, this is one of those that if you're a casual and you're looking for fights in the middle of the night, this is what you'll turn on. If you're a hardcore, you're going to know a couple of these matches. Ryzen isn't necessarily all the biggest matches all the time, but there's some good ones on this card just the same. That being said, foolish though it may be, 
They are going forward with it, kicking off at 11.30 a.m. Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Saturday, PFL versus Bellator, champ versus champ card kicks off from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. This one, even the casuals are going to know pretty much every fighter on this card, if not the vast majority of them. The hardcores know this is a good card, but much like UFC 300, this one has taken several big hits in the last week or two here. So there are still lots of good fights on this card, but it's not maybe what they originally booked it as. Uh, this is another one. There are going to be great things to be seen on this card, but like Alfie mentioned earlier, maybe consult a Dagestani friend as opposed to shelling out 85 bucks to see what the shell of this card is left by the time we get to Saturday. That being said, still plenty, plenty of good fights, lots of titles on the line, some great matchups on that card, but that leads us into the noon central standard time, 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff of KSW Epic. Um, this is another one, uh, not for the casuals necessarily. If you need fights in the afternoon, this is something to watch. The hardcores are going to know most of these fights. Uh, this is a multi-discipline fight for, or excuse me, a multi-discipline event for KSW. They got six MMA fights. There's a boxing fight. There's a strict grappling only and there's a Muay Thai fight on this card. This is not generally what KSW does. So they've got a big arena in Poland. They're putting on a big 1FC-style multidiscipline card. Cool shit to be seen in the lead-up to Saturday's Piece de Resistance, the marquee UFC Mexico, which kicks off the prelims at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. So lots, lots, lots of fights to be had this weekend and like i said there are also several different b-league organizations kicking off as well obviously we don't have time to list and run down everything but there are fights to be had all weekend long that being said like i mentioned earlier generally we tend to circle mostly around the ufc fights because those demand the most attention here so for this in my opinion a historic post and pre-pay-per-view non-hangover hangover card that the UFC has given us here in Mexico City. Though there are a lot of local talent as they generally put on away cards, this one I feel has some pretty good fights worth mentioning. So almost as if we were going to be running through a pit. I'm curious if you gentlemen have some maybe overlooked and overhyped fights on this UFC Mexico card to help our more casual fans kind of see the little enticement of this Mexico City card. All right, well, Christian doesn't want to take it. I guess I will uh, fucking run up in here. Um, I am going to reiterate on something that he did talk about earlier, and that's the Claudio Puelle, or Puelle's fight and fucking Faraz Zahim. Zahim, excuse me. That's going to be a fucking banger of a fight. It's not getting enough attention. That old Frenchman, he's been putting in some fucking work. He's only had one setback in the fights that he, one or two, excuse me, one or two. One of them being a loss to fucking T-Rex Terrence McKinney. And the other was fucking, I think his entry fight into the UFC, if I remember correctly. Other than that, he's been on a fucking tear. He's got fucking five victories in the UFC, one defeat. I mean, he's he's looking solid. 
So at this point, you better as long as he can avoid a fucking a Gamby roll and fucking attempted a fucking goddamn knee bar. That's gonna be a hell of a good fight. I mean, granted, we haven't seen him fucking finish anybody in the UFC, but it'll make it at least interesting. And I don't think that I think people are gonna sleep on this just because they know all Claudio is gonna do is look for knee bars and submissions. And anybody who is smart enough, which I'm sure Ferris fucking went and did all of the research and watched fucking Hooker beat the brakes off of his legs. We're going to see a lot of fucking leg kicks. And I'm not mad at it. Because those are the kind of things you need to do to people who don't learn to do stand-up. Don't get me wrong. There are a few niche people that can actually manage a single-sided attack. I don't think Claudio is one of them. Even looking at people like Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, great on the ground, but his fucking stand-up is fucking terrible. It's gotten better since he's gotten in, but Claudio hasn't had to fight guys that stand up. So it's it's the one that does fucking not want to grapple and all that is a Dan Hooker, which is why Dan Hooker beat the fucking shit out of him. I think we could be seeing a repeat of that had somebody done their homework. Not to the extent that Dan's going to do it, but, you know, and I'm not talking Dan up because Dan has been an absolute piece of shit. Somebody who we thought was going to be great and just shit the fucking bed all over. But as a whole, this fucking fight is going to be, it's going to be a sleeper of a fight, in my opinion. I think we're going to get something interesting out of it one way, shape, or form. For me, it's uh, the Manuel Torres versus Chris Duncan fight. Both of these guys having the knockout power hasn't been being talked about worth a damn. I think I said it earlier on my contender segment. I think Manuel Torres, to me, has the most potential out of any of the contenders I talked about on the men's side of things. Asmund Draghi on the women's side of things, he got the most potential. Fucking Manuel Torres, 28 years old, 13 finishes of 14 wins, seven of them by fucking knockout. You got Chris Duncan, seven fucking knockouts in his career as well. This could be a back and forth fucking war. I hope Duncan fucking goes out there swinging instead of trying to wrestle like he has since he got in the UFC. It's just more fun that way, man. He almost got knocked out in that contender second contender series fight against Charlie Campbell. He almost gets knocked out three different fucking times, fights his way back, gets a knockout himself. That's what earned him the contract. Let's not start getting boring now. But I think the fight's got serious potential. They both go out there and throw the fuck down. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think I agree with uh, both points here. Um, the one that I think, in my opinion, is flying the most under the radar is the, the fight opener here. Uh, Eric Silva versus Mohamed Naimov. Um, <laughs> Silva is essentially the, the next coming of Clay Guida. Like, he's got the look, he's got the bounce. Now we just have to see if he's got the skill versus Naimov, who's coming in trying to make a name for Tajikistan. 
opening the card in Mexico without any Mexicans, they better understand the pressure that is on them. And I, I'm until they prove me wrong, assuming that they both do understand that you are opening a card in Mexico city that everyone is going to be paying attention to. And I think that's going to give us a good fight. It might not be fight of the night, but I think it's getting slept on in terms of what it's got potential wise. So now like we do on, uh, on a pit time normally uh, with all these interesting fights, I know there is at least one fight on here that you gentlemen know has gotten more hype than it deserves that we can give people a moment of respite, uh, a chance to maybe refill your drink or have yourself a merry little fasty or whatever your choice of occupation of free time might be. Raw Rosas Jr. versus Ricky Tercios. Rosas Jr. getting a main card fight again. When he has done nothing, he's had two fights in the UFC. He's lost one of them. Wait, no. Yeah, he has had three, right? Yeah, he debut against Jay Perrin, wins the fucking decision, and he loses Christian Rodriguez, for fuck's sake, and beats Terrence Mitchell. Oh, wow, this kid's something to be feared, man. They're really pushing a 19-year... Oh, hell, question on the age, too. The position on the card, for one, but for two, the hype that this kid's getting. I understand, yeah, he's Mexican, too. You know, you, you need the Mexicans, right? You're trying to build a star, but this could have been the opening fight. And that, uh... You putting it on the card, not putting it near the bottom, it's, it's a pretty big problem. I both agree. I both agree and disagree. I, I, I think this fight absolutely should have been, if not the premier prelims, somewhere in the middle. This fight doesn't deserve main card placement. But if I have to draw a silver lining around this matchup, the way that I squint real fucking hard and look at it through rose-colored glasses leads me to believe that at least up until this point, both Rosas and Tertios have basically gotten about the same amount of push from the UFC, and both have really equally fizzled when they've had the chance. So potentially, fingers crossed, a very poor performance from either one of them gets them walking papers, or even better, makes it to where we don't ever see either one of them on any main card ever again. If this isn't the walking paper fight, that's wishful thinking. Because you know they're gonna push fucking both of them still. Because anytime you have an ultimate fighter winner, they're going to push it. I agree one hundred percent. This fight could be removed from the card. They could do it off of TV, and I wouldn't be mad about missing it. Bring back Facebook prelims. No shit. <laughs> That yeah. might be part of their thing if uh, Fubo wins their fucking lawsuit. Because that's just one that nobody wants to watch. Like, I'm in 100% fucking agreement. I I give two fine fucks about that fight. I don't even want to talk about another one, because there's not another one that's worthy of just bashing the fuck out of as bad as that. Fuck that fight. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree profusely. I agree profusely. So that being said, um, the casual fans might not be aware, but the hardcores are are probably most certainly uh, up on the fact that not only is this Mexico City fight night a, a pretty decent overall card, one of the better quote-unquote hangover cards that the UFC gives us in between pay-per-views, but it is actually being headlined and co-headlined by a pair of shoulder injury rematches. Yair versus Brian ended in a shoulder injury, which resulted in two subsequent surgeries for Ortega. And like we said earlier, almost two years on the sideline waiting to come back. Moreno versus Roy Val as well, a little bit longer of a fight, but similarly ended in a complete fucking shoulder dislocation and Roy Val being out, which subsequently led to Moreno going on the title run that he was on for so long and his wars with Figgy Smalls that followed up. So... Battle of the shoulder comebacks started with the co-main. Yair versus Brian might not be the co-main that any of us really want, but it does have a lot of interesting factors in it. I'm curious to see how you gentlemen think this one might finish up. Look, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. I don't think Ryan Ortega wins this fight. Do I want him to win it? Yes. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Brian Ortega, but I think he's lost a step in there. You go ghost for fucking 18 months recovering from surgery or not. Even Jamal Hill, who's about to headline fucking 300 for some ungodly reason, didn't go ghost on social media or events for that matter. He's been at plenty of events recovering from his fucking injury. Showing his face in public. Doing all the right things that you're supposed to do in that kind of situation. Ortega? Ghosted. I don't care how much he went to church. How much God touched him. How much God came into him. Whatever the fucking case may be. He better fart that shit out. And find something else going on. Because you can spend all that time in church. If you're spending all that time in church, you ain't fucking training. As much as I hate Yair Rodriguez, he's been fucking active. Getting his ass beat, but still active. I foresee Yair taking this fight, and I think he's going to finish Brian Ortega, not because of a fucking shoulder injury, but I think he's going to get knocked out. And to be honest, I hope it doesn't happen that way. But that's what I think is going to happen. I feel like uh, TJ's like Tracy Cortez. You're like a scorned ex-girlfriend, man. You're all hurting in your feelings. And Brian Ortega hasn't kept you in the know of his life for 18 months, man. He ghosted you, huh? Dude. <laughs> you gave him that day. Oh, he didn't I will, call you back. <laughs> I will take that fucking heat because you know what? He wasn't <laughs> showing up in any of the fucking Gracie Jiu-Jitsu videos. And he was a constant in those. So that really tells you fucking something there. Is there a divide there too that could interfere with his fucking training as well? Because if you're going to have jujitsu backers, those are the fucking guys. 
Uh, yeah, opinion. I'll take that heat. Yeah, yeah go ahead yeah, and ghost I, us. I, I just wanted to give you a little shit for that. That was good stuff. But, you know, in all honesty, my honest opinion on it, I just think Ortega's still more well-rounded, whether he fucking had an injury or had the layoff. We've seen other fighters have a nice layoff. They've come back. We've seen the instances of the ring rust affect people, and we've seen the situations where it doesn't. The biggest thing is his ground game. And he doesn't even have to get it to the ground. We've seen so many goddamn situations where a dude makes one little slipper mistake. He just locks in the guillotine. Or he can just flying fucking triangle, man. Ortega's something else with his jujitsu. So he has that in the bag, right? When we saw them fight July 22, he was piecing Yair up on the feet and made Yair start going for the fucking takedown. Which caused the roll that caused the injury. So I'm saying he is, like you even mentioned earlier, a decent boxer. Yair, it's that situation. It's just like what we saw last weekend. He's got that fucking ability. All of them do. Everybody's got a puncher's chance. Yair's got more than a puncher's chance. He's a good striker. He's going to have the Mexican crowd behind him, but they're both fucking Mexicans. Like one of them was born and lived in Mexico his whole life, but. Ortega's still fucking Mexican, even if he's lived in America. I think it's a good-ass fight because they're also both friendly with each other, right? But they're going to be fired up with the crowd. They both have good skill, but I just feel like Ortega's more well-rounded. Fucking Yair's not submitting Ortega. That's how I see that. Like, he's got to get that win standing up. Yeah, he might catch Ortega, but it's... Not what we've seen out of Volk in the last couple fights, like getting knocked out. He got knocked out by Islam. A few months later, you take this fight with Tori, you get knocked out again. He got his ass whooped by Volk. So did Yair. Yair got fucking whooped even worse and a hell of a lot quicker. I'm pulling out any fucking bitch ass in the main math, just honest facts. You know, I, I completely agree with the fact that Ortega's, you know, been off for a while and Yair's dangerous. Maybe he fucking gets caught, gets finished, but to completely count him out, it was like Vincent. He was talking about the same shit earlier. He thinks that Yair's a lock. It's like, you really giving Ortega no chance at all? Yeah, that's not a We'll see. Just like he said on Wednesday, man. I love that mentality. He's not talking any shit. He's not looking forward to anything else. Focus on this. We'll see. That's his mentality. He knows what's up. That's his own mentality. He's like, let's see what I can still do, right? Let's see if I can still fucking hang. You know, if you think of this in like a legal setting, his attorney's done all the talking for him. Because he knows he's fucking guilty. That's <laughs> how we know where Brian Ortega is at. He won't speak for himself. Until the very last minute as a hail fucking Mary, which is why he's been in church so much. Just say it. So. Full over the top here. Uh, unpopular opinion. Fuck this fight all together. 
I don't give a fuck about this fight. I don't think it should be on this card. I don't think it deserves to be the co-main event. This is honestly probably the fight I am the least interested in on this card. MMA math does not always work, but there are certain situations where it is maybe not a, a guaranteed predictor, but a relevant factor. This is one of those situations. This is a battle of Volkanovsky's children, because not only did Volkanovsky beat both of these gentlemen, he beat both of these gentlemen each so definitively and so drastically that they took career altering losses in each of their respective matchups against him. The big factor here, if there is one for me, is that Ortega took his longer ago and has had, even if it was injury recovery induced, time to come back from that historic level ass whooping that Volkanovsky put on him, though that triangle was beautiful. Yair still has that fresh, bitter taste of ass whooping in his mouth, not to mention still is more recently having had his fucking bell rung significantly. Neither one of these guys are the person that they were when they fought the first time. And even then, it wasn't necessarily that great of a fight, in my opinion. Now, not only is it a fight that nobody needed a rematch on, but it's for what fucking stakes? Because if Volkanovski doesn't get the rematch, neither one of these who are going to jump the fucking line and come out there with a good fucking performance and step up. Max has got that one locked down unless he gets completely fucking melted by Gaethje at 300. Even then, they might still fucking wait for him because he's handed ass whoopings to everyone other than Ilya in the 145-pound division. This fight makes no fucking sense to me. Yes, it's the co-main, but I could honestly give a fuck less about how it plays out or who wins it even because it doesn't really mean anything divisionally and it's not that interesting of a fight to begin with for me. Where your head's at there? not helping the featherweight division it's not helping this card this this is one of those contractual obligations in my opinion this is a fight that had to be made somewhere and since there's two like christian mentioned it's a pair of mexican dudes it's a white mexican dude from california and it's a mexican mexican dude from mexico but they're both mexican representatives here so i understand the placement from the business standpoint from a fan standpoint fuck both of these guys and this co-main that being said, we do have, in my opinion, at least a little more of an interesting main event to round out the UFC Mexico City card. The rematch that I feel did need to be run back. The battle of the Brandons, Moreno versus Roy Val. This one, at least for my two cents, had to be run back. Maybe not this fucking long from the original, but I understand shit has happened in the meanwhile. This fight, like I mentioned earlier, literally determined and upset the title balance in the flyweight division for going on three years, four years now almost. So the fact that the outcome of their first match, though it may have been because of an injury, led to a constant title challenge of epic fucking proportions that literally put flyweight back on the fucking map for the UFC. This main event does have significant implications because this fight... I feel is going to be setting up a next title challenger here. So I'm curious how you boys think the battle of the Brandons plays out and who leaves Mexico city with their hand raised. 
this is going to be a fucking epic showdown, in my opinion. Uh, of Look, we asked for a lot of good fights. I think this is one of those that really hits the fucking mark. You've got fucking a rematch that should have happened a long fucking time ago, in my opinion. Um, legitimately could have been done fucking right after Moreno won the belt had Figgy not been so dominant for a minute with the belt. Had it not been for that, you could have said, yeah, let's run that back right away, even though Royval was a little bit rocky at the time. Royval has since pulled his shit back together. We know Moreno has too, albeit he did have that loss to fucking Pantoja, which, to be clear, that fucking fight could have gone either way. That was a very close fucking decision fight. To be honest, I honestly think he got fucked a little bit and not getting an automatic rematch out of that. But, you know, UFC is going to do UFC things like shitty UFC 300 cards. And I say that loosely because it's not a shitty card. It's just not what it should have been. But you look across over there at Brandon Royval, and since that fucking loss there, he had one other loss on his record. And that was to the current champ in Pantoja. Other than that, he's been on an absolute fucking tear. Guess what? If Roy Vol wins, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get a shot at the title. Because he's lost to Pantoja. Not once, but fucking twice. Because... That could have been him already fighting for the title against fucking Moreno had he not lost to Pantoja. Albeit he lost via unanimous decision, not a split decision. I'm not going to MMA math this and say, yeah, there was a split decision partially going to Moreno. No, this tells me both these motherfuckers deserve to be where they're at. And then some. We're finally getting that ultimate showdown of the Brandons find out which Brandon is going to be the Brandon of all Brandons. To be honest, I love when they have the same fucking names, whether it's first or last name or first and last name, however the fuck it ends up working out. It just makes it fucking interesting. But we know that Roy Vol's shoulder is now good because he's had, what, five fucking fights since that fucking shoulder popped out and hasn't had any issues with it since. Just fucking great. I don't foresee the this fight ending in an injury. To be honest, I think we're going to get a five-round fucking war out of these two. And it's going to be something glorious. I don't know which fucking way it's going to go. If I MMA math it, I'd say Moreno wins. But I'm not going to MMA math that because, look, as much as I fucking hate it, I don't like Pantoja. Pantoja's been on an absolute tear and earned every fucking thing that he's got. I think that the UFC will give Moreno a title shot if he wins this because that'll be his one and oh yeah, go right back to the fucking title because you fucking deserve it. I mean, you beat Figgy three out of four times and then in the meantime, he also had one other fucking win in there as well uh, against Kaikar France. So, I mean, there's there's something to be said there that this very well could be a, a very epic fucking 
epic fight and I think it's just going to be fucking wild. It's a coin toss, in my opinion. To be honest, I think the odds makers weren't quite right at making the odds as wide as they are. Um, saying Moreno is a minus 250 over Brandon Royval. But if I'm going to have to make a pick here, I'm going to have to say Moreno gets it done. But it's going to be a very razor-thin decision, which could go either way. Because both of these guys they're both fucking looking excellent in the primes of their career so it's legitimately a coin flip in my book uh, i'm on the same side of the fence and picking moreno but i don't think it's coin flip at all i think Moreno's still the better fucking fighter roy vall has gotten better himself he showed that Last year when he fought Pantoja for the title, his defense has gotten a lot better, but he still clearly lost that fight where when Pantoja Moreno fought and Moreno lost the belt to him, it was a really close fight. Those judges are always kind of questionable. That's how I looked at that one. I do respect Pantoja. Like I said, that was a close fight. It was a good fight. I would love to see it again. I feel like Moreno does get that shit. If he wins this fight, but Roy Vall, like you said, two losses to Pantoja now, probably not get. He's still going to have to work for it to get it again, especially if Pantoja keeps holding the belt for a minute. I'm excited for this fight more than what the main event was supposed to be. They originally fucking put Amir Albazi in there, and then he got hurt, so we got this changeup. It's a better story. It's a better fucking fight. I was not looking forward to Amir Albazi trying to fucking grapple Moreno and hold him up against the fence for 25 fucking minutes. That dude has decent cardio, but he has not shown as much as shit. So I'm much more excited. Like uh, Golf T said, we've got a potential for a war here. Roy Vall's gotten a lot better. His fucking defense is a lot better. So he could definitely, and he is a finisher too. So there's that chance. Like, anybody's got the chance. But I think if we see a finish, it's going to be Moreno. I feel like he's still overall the better fighter. He's got more to win, you know, if he wins. I don't think it's as much of a coin flip, but we both agree Moreno's going to take it. Interesting interesting perspectives from both of you. Um, I'm somewhere... Right in the middle. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a finish. I think we're going to see 25 minutes of hard-fought fucking scrapping between these two gentlemen, and I think they're both going to end up fucking wearing it when we get the judge's decision read. Um, I I like Brandon Moreno. I like Brandon Royval. Brandon Moreno has most definitely cemented his fucking legacy, whether he retires tomorrow or goes back and takes a fucking title again. Brandon Moreno... Moreno has earned himself a spot in the UFC Hall of Fame, in my in my opinion, for what he's already done. That being said, Moreno has a lot more road miles on him than Roy Vall does. Yes, that shoulder injury might have played a part in it, but while Roy Vall was recovering and getting his body back into good shape, Moreno was on the other side of that coin having a trilogy of absolute fucking epic proportions against arguably one of the greatest fucking flyweights the UFC has ever fucking seen. And even though he came out with W's, that still takes a fucking serious toll 
on any fighter. And the fact that he's had multiple of those fights with Figgy Small, the fee comes due eventually. This fight initially was great, and I don't think it's going to be an easy finish for either man, but I think at this point, Roy Vall is younger. He's still got the hunger. He's still closer to his prime without as many road miles on him. I think Moreno is going to make this a hell of a fucking fight. I really do. I don't think it's going anywhere but the judges, but I think at the end of the night, Moreno has just absorbed so much more damage in the same span of time since they last fought compared to Roy Val, that it's going to make a difference when we get closer to the finish line of this fight. And I think Roy Val is just going to be fresh enough and still have enough wit about him to be able to still be in an advantageous position when the fight comes to an end. And I think he's going to get the W, but I think you guys are both right. I think the fact that he's got this history with Pantoja, fuck that guy, though it may be, uh, it even a good win against uh, Moreno here isn't going to be enough to secure himself that title shot, even though it should be. Fuck him. Uh, but I, I think in this situation, I do think we see Roy Vell coming out with with the W here. Fuck Pantoja. <laughs> that being said, though, uh, that is what we have got. For this week, like I said, there are fights essentially from when we go off the air until first thing Monday morning. So if you're looking for Punchy Kiki to hold you over, there's plenty this weekend. But that being said, when we wrap things up around here, that is not the end of it. Because tomorrow morning and pretty much every Friday morning, that wait, no, that gentleman right over there and his other half throughout their podcast, the Slow Bake and Contemplate podcast over on Spreaker.com. Links to that down below, as well as their social media and their very own channel over on the I'm No Joe Discord server. Pop over, say hello to them, boys. It's a good time. Appreciate you, brother. As always, fun never fucking stops. Once you get around back to next week, every fucking Wednesday night, you got to tune in to the brother's fucking YouTube channel, Golf Team Vapes. Foggy fairway. If you're into your vapes, you want to learn some new recipes and mixes, or you just want to chill and have some fun, fucking make sure you tune in and show the brother some love. All of his links for everything should be down in the description below. No different than all of ours. Make sure you check it out. Thanks, sir. Oh, um, for those of you who are not aware, Meter, our host with the most over here, does more than one thing. In fact, he does many. So if you go down in the description below, there is a couple of links. There's link tree slash the meter does many things and link tree slash I'm no Joe. Click on either one of those link trees and it will take you to all the many things that the meter does do. Prepare for a good time. Totally worth it. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. That being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode. So if you enjoy the shenanigans we get up to around here, first and foremost, thank you. Please make sure you give us the thumbs up if you like it. Make sure your notifications are turned on wherever you are getting this. We do the show live pretty much every Thursday night that there are fights to talk about over on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe. You can catch us live, hang out in the chat and shenanigan there take place the week after that in all audio form anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe. We put the podcast out your podcast consumption platform of choice. You can get it. Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, you name it everywhere. We're out there. 
you want to help out what we do around here, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe for as little as a buck a month. You get your name as a thank you on the end of every broadcast we put out here. On the other side of that, if you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a show you didn't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. That being said, as always, we do not do review shows anymore. So if you want to find out all of the action that happens over the weekend without having to tune in to next week's show, click over on the I'm No Joe shorts tab here on YouTube, youtube.com slash I'm No Joe slash shorts. As soon as there is a finish in any of the big fights this weekend, there will be a short up there showing you a clip, a little of it, telling you how it all happens. So keep your eyes peeled. That being said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. So until next time, boys and girls, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Good job.